0: You're listening to the Discovery COVID-19 podcast. I'm Azania Musaka, and I'll be speaking to expert guests to help you better understand coronavirus disease 2019, as well as how best to manage your health, well-being, and financial security during this time. The mental well-being of a pregnant woman will affect the way in which her pregnancy progresses and also impact her unborn child on many levels. So what does the stress and worry that we all feel in the face of COVID-19 in this pandemic mean for all the mothers to be out there? Professor Renata Skuman is a psychiatrist and head of the MBA in Healthcare Leadership at the University of Stellenbosch Business School. She's also an alumna of the Discovery Foundation and has contributed extensively to mental health care in South Africa. And she's particularly passionate about the subject of mental health in pregnancy for a very special reason. She is a new mom. She gave birth to her little boy very recently and found herself in her final trimester when COVID-19 reached our shores. Ah, Professor Skuman, firstly, congratulations.
1: Thank you. So I indeed have a little coronial (laughs)
0: that's what we're going to have to call the generation of babies born at this time wonderful are you well how are you finding this period
1: yeah i'm well now it was the emergency cesarean section everything went well in the pregnancy and then suddenly i developed preeclampsia and help syndrome was in a week so it was really not how we saw it as a full-term pregnancy with a big baby and a natural delivery so you find yourself slightly, well, slightly is an understatement, but unprepared. And I think what came with it for me was a lot of guilt feelings um, in terms of why we had to do a caesarean section when my baby was perfectly happy inside. And then also having been faced with a COVID-19 situation and the last few visits, that's not how it was supposed to be. You go on your own and you're worried even that your healthcare provider might contract COVID-19 and then what do you do? So there's a lot yeah. of additional anxieties, I think, on top of the normal anxieties that I would have had as a normal mom as well.
0: Right. Right. Um, And did you take any precautions um, because of the worry, because of your awareness of just the unique circumstances that this was? What precautions did you take?
1: Yeah, I think initially before the lockdown, you were aware of it and you tried to avoid crowded places and limit shopping and things. But I was fully at work. So um, as little one arrived seven weeks earlier than planned, life Perfectly continued. Um, And we were essential services when the lockdown starts. So I had the precautionary measures at the practice. We would try to Zoom patients instead of seeing patients in person, but still continuing with um, in-person contact as well. But with precautionary measures, the, the distancing and frequent hand washing, obviously like usual, and then also the sanitizer and also screening our patients when they come in. But you are worried about that. And then as the lockdown came, you realize all normal plans is down the drain. You know, there's not going to be a maternity shoot. There is not necessarily going to be even a partner when you give birth. Um, Your mom won't be allowed there. And that was for me very difficult. It's my first little one. And I think in all cultures, it's so normal to have your mom near you, um, especially if you're a new mother. And you find yourself, especially with a prim, you don't actually know, you know, you're a doctor, but you've never been a mum before. There's a vast difference between the two.
0: Yes. Oh, I, you are raising things that I hadn't even realised. Things like, of course, cancelling baby showers, cancelling things like photo shoots or uh, whatever it is you wanted to do to observe, you know, this moment just before the baby arrives and giving birth on your own. So these are measures obviously that doctors and hospitals had to, had to put in place and prenatal checks, all on your own.
1: Yeah, I was um, you know, a lot of that impacted, but the one difficult thing was as well that the regulations fluctuated from day to day. So right. one day for visiting hours, the next day there isn't visiting hours. One moment your partner could be with at birth. The very next lady might be told no your partner cannot be with at birth. And it's it's really an uncertain time. And I think that uncertainty and also, with some of my friends that's currently pregnant, their biggest fear is having to go through the birth experience on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, it is scary. The one thing that I even recommend the, the pediatrician that was looking after my little one, one of the pediatricians in, church, uh, in, in hospital now, she's currently also expecting, I tell her, just take photos. You know, because now a lot of people don't have the opportunity to take photos. And you end up, even if you're not someone that's into photos, This isn't the end of memory. So I ended up taking a few selfies the morning before the cesarean section just to show this is how I look when I'm pregnant. Because otherwise you don't have the memories.
0: Um,
1: And to have a contingency plan, I think it's so important for ladies to think, what is my plan B? What is my option if my mom can't be there? What is my Mm. option if my partner can't be there? And luckily we have... um, technology as what we're using now there is video calls make sure that your phone is charged but you can stay in contact with your family and friends even though you're technically on your own there there's ways that you have to think about how can
0: I keep that contact and support that advice is so valuable but also we mustn't forget what the other people in your life are missing out on the fact that your partner couldn't be there or your mother couldn't be there. This is what they would have wanted to do. Yes, there's a lot of stress and pressure on uh, the mom to be, but at the same time, other people are being denied. You know the magic and the beauty of the moment.
1: Absolutely, my mom, and it's for all technical purposes, her first grandchild, and. Um, she had to wait 17
0: days before she could meet him yesterday. Sorry, there. Oh, it's with... not him! Oh, there he is. Hello, hello, little one. <laughs> making <laughs> he sure he's heard. Well. Yes, yeah. making sure he's heard. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So your mom so, wants yeah, so, to be
1: there. Yeah, it's a big moment, you know, and something special and as I said you and, and that was difficult in the hospital as well and that was also staff dependent there was the most amazing angels some of the sisters in the hospital that had such a lot of patience with me such a lot of patience with the little one and I think neonatal sisters need medals. Um, I observed how they sing to the little ones, talk to the little ones, and wow, it's amazing. But at the same time, there's stuff that can make life difficult for you, that, you know, they have their own anxiety to deal with and their own regulations is from what they receive from their management is changing from day to day. So even for them, it's an uncertain time. They have to take precautionary measures. And then sometimes with their anxiety, they might forget, and I've experienced that, that it becomes a mechanical thing of we're trying to focus on COVID and we forget that we have a number of ladies that might, might be first time mums or second time mums around, but there's still uncertainties and anxieties, which you usually would have had external support to help you with. And now you're fully, fully dependent on the hospital staff to provide that support for you.
0: I'm glad you raised that because I was really curious about how COVID-19 affected your emergency C-section. As you said, uh, your little boy was born premature at 33 weeks uh, and six days and at, what, 2.475 kilograms. So every gram counts, but... Um, what was your so? There's the aftercare in the hospital. He's in the neonatal ICU, of course, to help him keep growing. Um, how did COVID nineteen affect all of these various aspects? Yeah,
1: it was very difficult. Um, after he was born with the C section, he was taken away to the ICU. And the first time I saw him again was the next day, 25 hours later, I was a visit, visiting him. And it was not because he was so severely ill. I mean, he was prim, but he was actually a strong, big, healthy boy. Um, <laughs> well, relatively mm-hmm. strong and big. Um, but just due to the regulations that they said there's no visitation except between three and four from the mother. And even though I was an inpatient, I wasn't allowed to contact him. The next day I was allowed a little bit more, but even kangarooing, which we all know is basically the primary requirement of a prim child as well, was very, very difficult. I was allowed one visit a day. Until yesterday, you can go once. In time, the time that I could spend there did um, get prolonged because I was allowed to breastfeed once or twice but it's very, very difficult to establish breastfeeding. You have your anxiety. You don't have contact with your baby. You do not have the skin to skin as you would under normal circumstances. And yet you have to establish breastfeeding. And and that was for me still, it, it's for me difficult. Um, it's something that we definitely are trying to establish much slower than what it would have developed maybe naturally um, yes. due to the lack of stimulation and contact. So I think the biggest Challenge for me, and it was heartbreaking for me to come home. And I know I only see my child 24 hours later every day. So I was discharged the Thursday after his birth. He was born on the Sunday. And mm-hmm. then until he's discharged yesterday, day 17, it's once a day that you see your little one. And mm-hmm. the, the rules for partners and family change every day. So also the, the last week your partner also specifically wasn't allowed to see the little one because there's one parent in 24 hours. And because I had to establish breastfeeding, your partner do not see the little one whatsoever. So it's also a little Mm. strange enough suddenly that's Mm. at home.
0: Yes. Oh, there's a lot to adjust to, but he's home now. That's that's the beautiful part that he's home and all that bonding can now take place. But let's talk more broadly, you know, the stress of, of a pandemic and disruption that can, that it can bring to a pregnancy can also affect a woman's state of mind. Um, what are these ways in which it can affect our state of mind and how can we overcome these?
1: Yeah, we know that it's normal for women to be anxious in pregnancy. Um, there's a lot of new things coming up and you have uncertainties and stuff. Um, but then there's also the risk that we all have for postpartum blues, which is almost considered normal. And then one out of 10 ladies that can develop postnatal depression. Now, we know in the stress of a pandemic and in lockdown, se, as well, there is the isolation, which makes you more prone to developing mental health problems because you do not have your normal support structure. And then also the current situation we know it's associated with, especially in healthcare workers as well, but in ladies in, um, also that have multiple roles, is there's an increased risk for a more, I want to say, pathological anxiety or depression. So our risk for postnatal depression is higher. And I must tell you this past week, I have never cried so much in my life. And I mm. had to keep on checking in with myself. You have a normal reaction to an abnormal situation. And because I'm a psychiatrist, you keep on scanning yourself for postnatal depression and think, oh no, oh no. And then mm-hmm. when you look at it, the symptoms, what you experience is really that frustration and the powerlessness and the fatigue of driving up and down to hospital as well. Um, and worrying during the night for not being your little one, that it's a, a normal reaction an abnormal situation and that would really be a message for me to all the ladies out there is try mm-hmm. just to focus your sense of normality in terms of what is normal emotions to experience in this situation and be careful of when is it really postnatal depression so speak to your doctors and um, the mm-hmm. pediatrician the but really keep contact with them if you are at all concerned
0: yes um all of that i think we need to highlight and bring to the surface but What did you find, um, did you find there was a lot of support from the healthcare provider in this case, in kind of talking you through, preparing, make sure that there are things that you are on the same page uh, with regarding the process that would unfold?
1: I think the doctors are so stretched and stressed, stressed and stretched at the moment. And they had a lot of anxiety as well. Um, for example, if if one of the gynecologists at the specific hospital where I was, if one of them would have had contracted COVID nineteen, what would be the medicine place who will take over the patients, etc. That they almost only function on the emergency things at the moment. And mm-hmm. um, the pediatricians definitely was way more involved, obviously, than with my boy. Um, and they were talking more like yesterday. Also, prior to discharge, the pediatrician had a big talk with me in terms of the additional risk in terms of immunity. So now, um, you know, normally with a prem, you have to be very, very careful with exposure to other people. But now we're basically under house arrest until he's of a more mature age. Um, Mm -hmm. So they were very supportive. I must say, as I mentioned, there were some gems in the nursing staff that was so patient and so helpful. And even with breastfeeding, um, but at the same time, there was really nursing staff and not necessarily the nurses as such, but more from management that was really making things difficult and you feel very unheard and unsupported as well. But you try to understand it in the light of the situation. You try to understand it
0: in the, the the amount of stress that everyone goes through. Yes. but And I'm sure you'll be a proponent and advocate for speaking up, that women should absolutely raise their concerns about what is happening as far as their mental well-being is concerned.
1: Absolutely. And I think if we... There was a very interesting article now that was published in which the title was Should Infants Be Separated from Mothers with COVID-19? And the motto was First Do No Harm, which shows that separation might not necessarily prevent infection if, if a newborn is separated from his own mother. It's about being exposed to other people. But interruption of skin-to-skin care, so the kangaroo that's interrupted, it's bad for the newborn physiology. Separation stresses the mothers, separation interferes with maternal milk to the infant and can disrupt the innate immunity of the child, and also disrupts breastfeeding, which is really, really difficult. And if breastfeeding fails, it can really aggravate and contribute to the risk for a mother developing um, postnatal mental health disorders. And then also separation can potentially make the burden on the health system even larger. Because now you're not only dealing with the risk of the infection or the COVID exposure or COVID infection, but you're also um, sitting with the mental health problems that that someone might need
0: support with. Absolutely, absolutely. But can we talk about pregnant moms um, or mothers-to-be, I should say, about their mental health in the event that she gets diagnosed with COVID-19?
1: Yeah, I think that is a double risk. And I'm not an obstetrician and a virologist, so I will really talk about the mental health impact. Mm. So... The things that we will see there is A, the fears. Will my baby get it? Will my baby get ill? What will happen to my baby? What will happen to me? Will I be able to take care of my child? What about the other siblings at home? Um, How come, and, and the guilt feelings? How come I couldn't keep my child safe or my family safe? So, all of that might increase. And some of it is not uniquely COVID-related. You will get it in all other kinds of physical illnesses as well. So, for example, a mom develops diabetes during pregnancy or even hypertension during pregnancy. There's a lot of guilt associated with it because all of us want to stay healthy and we want to be the best incubator or hotel for our little ones. And when something goes wrong there, we can feel very guilty and like a failure. And then, with as I mentioned, with COVID, there's the additional unknown factor in terms of my health. What will happen to me? Will I just be one of the statistics in terms of will I get a mild illness? Will I have a severe illness? Yes. And what will happen further? I think it's very, very important that a mum, whether she's COVID positive or COVID not positive, she needs to realize that isolation and social distancing, what I prefer to call physical distancing, because we should maintain social contact with our technology. Mm, but that physical the physical distancing and the isolation, she needs to preempt that and really need to put things in place. So if at all possible, make sure that you have video call facilities on your phone, that you do have data, that you do have the skills in terms of using it, bearing in mind that we know that a large part of our population do not have access to such technology.
0: Yes, absolutely. But as we wrap, uh, Professor Skuman, what's the one thing that you really want mums out there to take away from today's conversation and your experience?
1: I think still treasure every moment. As I mentioned take photographs and take it early if you can take it at home take as many as you can Um, try really to maintain contact with your mother or your partner and speak about this uncertainties up front how will you manage it and I was thinking today as well you know I was still missing the peak of COVID so things might deteriorate in the times to come what I was thinking which might even be a strategy is if you do not have the technology access but get your significant others to write you little letters of encouragement that you can Mm -hmm. take with you to hospital to that where they can you can hear their voice in a way when you're there that you do not feel that lonely and yeah, and then lastly, retrospectively, it's not easy to have a prem. It comes with its own short-term and long-term complications. But at the same time, we are now safe at home. And yes. I want to tell all mommies out there, whether your baby is here or not here yet, just be safe at home as much as possible. Be under self-imposed house arrest and keep yourself and your little one as healthy and safe as possible.
0: Oh, that's <laughs> Really, you've been a treasure today with uh, all of this that you've shared, you know, the personal experience you've walked. We've learned so much from you, Professor Skruman, about how mums to be out there can maintain their mental well-being in the face of COVID-19. To you and the baby, all of the best and congratulations. Thank you. Thank you, Azania. So if you want to understand the impact of COVID-19 on pregnancy even further, please look out for my podcast interview with a specialist obstetrician who will share more about what every pregnant woman should know about COVID-19 and its relevance for moms and baby. This podcast was brought to you by Discovery. Stay informed, stay healthy.